A smart person learns from their mistakes. A wise person learns from others' mistakes. Welcome to the My Mistakes Podcast. We cover the lessons learned from the mistakes we've made in business so you won't do the same. I'm Chris Chanchuli. Mario Andretti said, if things seem under control, you are just not going fast enough. In business, sometimes when you're going too fast, you're going to lose control. I'm Sean Rosenfeld, and I'll be asking questions to understand why Chris did what he did and what he learned from it. So if you heard previous podcasts or previous episodes of the My Mistakes podcast, when we last left off, I was faced with the decision of staying or leaving. The fitness director that I brought in had worked out a little deal of his own, which came to my attention when it was time to re-up my one-year agreement for the space that I was subletting for my business out of that space. And he told me that he made a decision that they would not be renewing my agreement. And because I was at the other four clubs, they were going to put this gentleman who I brought in to be the fitness director of that club. That didn't sit well with me, mainly because I provided an opportunity for him. He was good at what he did. I can't fault him for that. The clients were happy. The members of the gym were happy. The other trainers working for me were happy. The front desk staff was happy. So everyone was happy, except for me, because here I was out of the position that I had, which was having my own business within the space of the gym. Now, from last episode, when listening to it, I realized that I had moved into a house, sold my condo, bought a house. So my expenses were my mortgage. I had two cars. I had a wife at the time. And without having my business there, I wasn't able to make a percent off each of my trainers. I wasn't able to pay myself whatever was left over after everyone had been paid out, which from month to month, it would have ranged between four and $8,000. So I was going from writing myself checks for a couple thousand dollars in addition to what I was making for my training to now having nothing. I was going to get my health insurance paid for and I was going to get a salary. I want to say it was $200 a week and they were doing that so that I would do 10 hours a week in that one club, just making sure. Really, it wasn't so much of a job description. I think the owner was doing it almost to be charitable to me as I did to the fitness director when I brought him in. Also, if you heard the last episode, I had a little bit of an issue with prescription painkillers from an injury that I had, and my addiction to the painkillers was a little out of control because I was taking enough pills to where I was numbing the pain of physical pain as well as mental pain or having to deal with things. So by being, I guess the technical term would be high, I wasn't able to look at some of the choices I was making as rational. 
So I devised a plan. And it sounds even worse by saying devised a plan. Being in that club for years, I knew what some of the complaints were. And I thought to myself, since I brought hundreds of my members from the gym that I brought to this gym years earlier, I felt that it was fair game to approach those people once again. I was doing seminars, I was doing fitness classes. So I had a database of many of the members' emails who weren't necessarily clients, but they were members of the gym. So I wrote what I intended to send out in an email blast, same way that when I left my gym coming to this gym, instead of mailing out a letter that talked about all the positives or the benefits to leaving to go to this gym, I did the same thing, but in an email form. So I email blasted probably between 500 and 1,000 people, and it told people, good news, this training company will be heading down the street just two blocks away. It's a one-on-one fitness facility, servicing one-on-one, two-on-one, and small group classes. So I'm just going to stick to the first part of it for this episode of what took place, but there's probably five to 10 mistakes that I made in the first negotiation and month of now opening this new space. So the plan was, it was two blocks away. It didn't offer very much of like what a gym would have. It was more of like a training studio. So it was a couple treadmills. It was one elliptical. It was two bikes. So I was going to take my clients, definitely, I was going to take whatever trainers wanted to come, plus their clients, and naturally my clients. So I put together a letter. I basically said, good news, we're going to be going down the street. It's a better facility because it's cleaner. The parking situation is much better than where you are currently going. It's going to be a smaller facility, focusing more on -on one-on-one. So if you're someone who has not achieved goals belonging to this gym for whatever period of time, it might be time to try something different and work with myself or one of the talented trainers. I sent that out. And the day I sent it out, I had a meeting with the trainers and I told them why I didn't bring the fitness director, all the trainers except for him. And I had a little conference And I said, I'm going to have to be leaving here. And here's why. The gym no longer wants to have my company within. They want to handle things themselves, which was true. I wasn't distorting the facts. When they saw how much money or how many sessions were coming in, from the time that I got there, they were billing out around $10,000 a month, eight to $10,000 a month for the personal training department at this club. By the time that I left and having it as my business, we were doing about $40,000 to $45,000 a month. So when the owner of the gym caught wind or saw how many sessions were going on, I think at that point he said, all right, it's been built up. We're going to take it back, which I don't think was a scumbag move. I think it was a move that anyone in business would look at and see that it's in their best interest. The thing that bothered me was going around my back, being the person who built it up to that, and then offering someone who was 
capable and competent to run what I set up in place and then offer him, I think they were giving him four, between four and $800 a week and then whatever training sessions he was doing. So of the trainers, I can't remember exactly the number of trainers that there were, but I do know that only two were going to leave with me. So they were going to contact their clients and tell them that we were going a block or two away. And now I sent out the email on a Sunday night. And I remember I was up late finishing the email and I sent it out. I went to bed late that night. And again, to remind you, there was a slight addiction to pain medication. And for anyone that's ever struggled with it, you might not get such a great night's sleep. And then when you wake up, you take another couple of pills, so you'll fall back to sleep. And I remember I used to get up around between five and six and then take a couple of painkillers because my back was sore and my injury from weightlifting when I tore my pec was hurting or so I thought they would take a couple pills. And I remember going back to sleep, but waking up to my phone ringing and ringing and I'd reach over and just mute it. And then my other phone would start ringing and I got up and I listened to the voice message and it was the gym owner talking to someone in the corporate office or the main office. And he said, where does Chris live? And I heard him say my street address. And at this point, I thought, this guy's coming here. And then I got really nervous only because this owner was someone who, for lack of a better term, wasn't afraid to throw down or fight. And it wouldn't have been so out of character to be really pissed at what had occurred or me sending out that email. And the second I heard his voice, I knew he had read it. So I called back instead of just waiting by the door for him to show up. But I definitely took another couple of painkillers because I think my back and injury was hurting more at that point, as well as I wanted to numb my head because I was very nervous what was going to happen or what would be the fallout. I got him on the phone and he told me, I read your email that you sent to my members. And I said, uh-huh. And he said, that was sneaky, very sneaky. He, the tone of voice or the way he was speaking, I remember that I thought I was going to go to the bathroom in my pants. I had to sit down. I thought I was going to throw up. And he started questioning, what makes you think you could do this? Why would you do this to me? Have I not always taken good care of you here or given you good opportunities? Whatever it was, but along those lines. And I said, no, you have, you have. And I really didn't even know what to say. And that was even scarier. And he said something along the lines of, you better not have taken anything out of my gym that doesn't belong to you. And that's everything. Now I was even more nervous because I had taken my file cabinets out, which had all the contracts that I had written for any of the clients who also were members. I had all their contact information there. 
I took out records of sessions that were completed or how many sessions were remaining for clients that potentially wouldn't be coming with me. So they were on damage control to prevent a hemorrhage. And it was hardly a hemorrhage when you see or when I tell you on the next episode how many people actually came over. It was a mere paper cut, if you will. So I was out. I left, I guess you could say by choice, by being forced out. And I had two trainers that were coming with me. So I then had to figure out going forward how the hell I was going to not lose my house, not lose my cars, and how I was going to get my clients to come over to this new studio. And was I going to have anyone knocking on my door upset with what occurred and wanting something from me? And I will leave it at that. Do you think sending that message was a mistake? I hope people get from this that the mistake was sending out a letter that was an emotional response. So do I regret it? I regret it terribly. That was the dumbest move I possibly could have made because it wasn't just contacting members of the gym. It was bad mouthing the club. It was saying that they offered a poor service or quality product. And that wasn't the case. I still to this day think they are one of the best clubs run on Long Island. So I shouldn't have said the things in there that I said, and I shouldn't have tried to be sneaky. And that's what I regret. Did the owner try to do anything to get the clients back or was it kind of, it is what it is at that point? No, 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 no. This owner was not going to lose to anyone, and which is why he was so incredibly successful, because this guy was an absolute, absolute beast. I mean, he had just a tremendous drive. He played a lot of cards. He was athletic and would push himself to crazy limits. He wasn't someone who was going to just let people walk away. So they countered the clients that I had, and I can't remember what was offered. It was something additional with the sessions that they had. And I probably lost between two to four clients when I made the move. And the trainers that stayed kept their clients. The two trainers that came with me, maybe a total of 10 or 12 of their clients came. So it couldn't have gone any worse than it did. It sounds like the new place was a lot better of an offering and set up for your clients. Was it better for you? No, 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 no. It was, it was horrible. This is what I'm going to cover on the next episode because there's a very important lesson to be learned there. I invested or put money in expecting a return out and that did not occur at all. So I lost a lot of money on this deal. So besides not having money coming in, I took money out to pay for renovations, to make a situation better for those that I promised that it would be better. And it wasn't better. This whole thing that occurred, it was a mistake all around. But the biggest mistake I made was being sneaky to send out a letter trying to come out ahead and try to beat someone because here, no one won. In reality, they won. I lost. 
How did you go about resolving your pain med addiction issue? It took years. It took a program. The fact that I was being watched by authorities and there was a good chance that it would result in an arrest and jail time. So those are very, very strong motivators to stop doing something illegal when you know that you've been caught and you're facing one of two options, go get clean and sober or go to jail. I'd say overall, the greatest lesson that I learned from this experience was just don't be sneaky because not only do people not like someone that's sneaky, but when you're doing something sneaky, you know it's not the right move. And even as I did it, I knew that it was the wrong thing to do. And to this day, I regret sending that email. For more info, visit us at getconnects.com. That's G-E-T-C-O-N-N-E-X-X.com. On Instagram at connects underscore or on Facebook at connects, comma, I-N-C.